My name is Jack Oatway. And I am Jay Oatway, and this is Like Dragon Like Sun, the father and son D&D podcast that talks about, well, just anything and everything that could make your D&D game even better. Yeah, we've we've made resolutions. We're starting the new year strong. We've talked about some of our, our fun multi-classes we've made recently. Check out our last episode if you want to know a little bit more about that. Yeah, so we've given the players a little something, and now it's time to give Dungeon Masters mm. a little bit of love. Yeah. Because let's face it, being a DM is hard. It is. It's it's well, often it's often yeah. the hardest job. Unappreciated, really. Well, yeah. I, I think, you know. Yeah, nobody loves their DM. <laughs> That's not true. But I think it's underappreciated. Not unappreciated per se, but I think yeah. I think a lot of the a lot of the hard work, mm. especially if you've never DM'd yourself, I think a lot of new players don't don't recognize uh, how much prep work some DMs put into their their games. And actually, that's a little bit of what we want to try and talk about today. As a little bit of a public service announcement to DMs everywhere out there who are, you know, stressing out, who are working really, really hard, maybe working too hard at prepping their games, we kind of want to say, hey, you know, you can probably get by with less. Less might be more. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's a fundamental philosophy, right? Is it? I think it's often a fallacy, but hey. Fallacy? Well, not like an argumentative fallacy, but the idea that less is more is often proven wrong. That <laughs> more true. is more and twice like as much is good too. Spiritually, man. But yes, a minimalist approach. Uh, well, the idea of, I think basically in this is that I've learned as a DM that uh, I over-prepare. I often try to think of all the different ways that my players might be going with something. And then I will be like, okay, I want to make sure I have all these maps ready and all this stuff. And then of course they end up, you know, in one place that I probably could have predicted, or if I was to be even a bit lazier, you steered them towards. Um, you spend a lot of time on your games. I make a lot of maps. I make a lot of things from scratch. I do a lot of custom uh, stat blocks for monsters mm. and I guess you know from from that though I've had weeks where I haven't been able to prep as much and there's always a little bit of a panic a little bit of like oh no oh no what's going to happen and here's the great thing so first of all I have a pre-written module to fall back on which is always great. Mm, I mean, with Curse of Strahd, any pre-written module, especially if you're a newer DM or if you feel like it's a little intimidating, great tip. I think we've said it before, but yeah, modules sure. can take a lot of prep time out of your hands. And I mean, as long as you, as long as you have a chance to sort of speed read through the module, know kind of what's going to be in the rooms, and then you just kind of read out, read out the description blocks as you sort of go. It's, it's not too bad. Um, but, you know, a lot of times as well, like, you need to just trust in your ability to improvise. Mm. To just, you know, as things happen in the game, just make it up and go with it. Yeah. I mean, I've I've really tried to just use some... We, we've recently for... Chris for what do we call it winters winter festival winter fest midwinter festival uh, I received uh, we always talk about table fables but I've got the second edition of table fables and it's to cut prep time um, they've got a lot of really interesting tables on how to make dungeons uh, and cities and I remember that we one night we sort of sat down together and mm. we were just sort of spitballing and in talking a little bit, just based of like off some random rolls. Rolling, rolling, rolling random dice. And we made a whole campaign setting off of it. Yeah, in about an hour or so, we probably came up with something that would have been easy to play for a fantastic mid-level, low-level adventure. Six or seven session, for sure, to sort of come up with for a low-level, yeah, game. 
Yeah, probably starting like at maybe second or third level. Probably would have taken maybe a little bit more, you know, time to iron out but what if happens you're playing each it, session. And that's but. just it. So you're playing over, if you're playing over seven sessions with something, and you sort of think, well, we're going to play every two weeks, maybe. So you're looking at, you know, three plus months. And inevitably what happens, as long as you've kind of got a framework, each week you, uh, <clears throat> each week you, you prep a few things, right? Each week you put a little map together. Each week you pull a couple of stat blocks together for your... It, I mean, I think combat situations are what I require the kind of the most prep in a way because those things actually have dice rolls and you need to know, you know, what you're doing and... Power balances and... Yeah, you need to kind of have a plan. And maps are fun and cool part of the games, so you, you know, but you can theater of the mind it. I, on my last ones, I actually did... The maps were more about the uh, the parade route for the festival, of the blazing sun through the village, and I spent a lot of uh, a lot of time in game, you know, describing everything that was happening to them as they were, you know, following along with the parade and what they were seeing and experiencing, and um, NPCs they were re-encountering along the way, and how the weather was changing, and they didn't have a lot to do for a while until they get to the final town square showdown. And then I tried to drop a map for the town square showdown, but it was just, it's just too big a square and had too many, I mean, it had the whole town in it. And I'm not going to try and put, you know, markers in for all of that. It was just too much to try and work out. So I'm like, you know what? We're just going to theater of the mind this. And for certain setups, that's actually just way better. Mm. It's just way more fun. And I, I kind of think I should be doing more theater of the mind stuff, to be honest. Not everything needs a battle map. Um, they are fun. I don't get me wrong. It does take it's, time to make them. Though. It does, and you know, and when we're playing online today, it does give everybody a little bit of a chance to, you know, move their tokens around, and they all sort of share in a in a sort of an experience. And you know, the combat portion of the game is fun. Uh, definitely, you know, one of the better parts of of you know each night is our, you know, what's the fight going to be. So I, I'm I'm not I'm not against those the you know, putting the work into those. So I think it's really rewarding for everybody at the table. But um, but the good thing about playing a pre-made one versus coming up with our own is that there are maps for almost every single yeah. uh, encounter in, in, yeah. in Strahd. Well, I mean, it's not... I mean, I've added a bunch of extra ones in. Right. Because you have your own game, your, your own style. Sure. Playing, right? And and I sort of feel like it's fun to have a little blend of the book and a little blend of my stuff that, you know. Makes you a little bit more unique. Well, and, and it for me, it's fun. Mm. Like, And I think for a lot of DMs, cooking up your own world is fun. And I think actually my favorite thing is cooking up my own world within a world. Um, you know, like so instead of having to build the entire campaign setting from scratch like what does the cosmos look like who are your gods and to be able to take a, a set environment and just go okay this is my little corner of it this is how i'm going to do it well that's what we did with our our little random generated thing we took the book and we rolled on the name we got the name king's heights yeah fun name and we just started rolling on like okay, how big is it you know what is their primary export all these things to start to piece little story fragments together um so and just from to that we got a whole tale. Just to tell everyone once again what we were rolling in to get this. So this is a a book that uh, or a series of books by a, an author named uh, Madeline Hale. Uh, it's called Table Fables, and this is Table Fables Two: The World Builder's Handbook, and it's a small paperback, um, beautifully sort of put together, uh, lovely little illustrations, and. Just, you know, a hundred and, yeah, but 101 pages of, of tables. Uh, really beautiful from city encounters to histories to shops to... Not your regular Ikea tables, let's say. No, no, no If you're tables. familiar with role-playing games, they're tables which you roll dice to yeah. determine what the outcome is. Sure. Random generators, if you will. Yeah. Uh, you know, particular knickknacks, roll a d20, you roll a 10 and you find, hey... There's a lighter in here, or an 11 would give you a dented case of tea. You know, it's it's just little things that, you know, it, it's sort of sometimes fun to to just throw in a roll on a random generator, come up with a few ideas, and then on Especially top of that... Especially if you're in a bit of a, a 
position where you're feeling a little bit stuck in terms of sure. creativity. It's what a good I, way to get them. Well, I typically find it's moving. easier to be creative off of random things like that. Mm. You, you come up with a few ideas like that, and then you go, well, how would that work in this world? And then just you kind of paint yeah. in them the magical connections between them. I was trying, because I, I feel like I'm not very good at making dungeons. And so I wanted to use a little bit of that random generation there uh, to help construct dungeons. And because I used to think, okay, I'll, I'll put a room here, then a hallway, then, oh, another room. But what I've sort of thought, uh, what the book has sort of made me think about a little bit more is is putting it out a little bit differently. So I constructed it by... Um, just rolling, okay, what is this dungeon? I came up with a cave. How many rooms are there? There's 14 rooms. So I'll roll on the room stuff 14 times. Right? Okay. I made, so it's like, oh, it's got poor candlelight. It's dusty and dry, but there's winds moving about and, and strange like mustiness in certain areas where I'm like, hmm, well, this is a bit odd. And so I, I roll for each of my rooms and there's things where you can roll. Is there an event? Is there an item? Is there an enemy in here? Right. And so with the events, I'm like, okay, there's like, I have four events in my dungeon, so I'll just roll on the event table to see what these are, you know, completely random generated and not even connecting the rooms, just drawing the rooms in their own little separate spaces. If I roll to see if they have doors as indicated in the book. And if they do, then I, I, it, I, it tells me where to put them and all these certain things. So I start constructing all these rooms and I roll for events and it's like elemental free from cages. Hmm. You know, a, a cheeky gnome, you know, steals the player's stuff, you know, and later I sort of roll for enemies and I'm like thinking, okay, could I, play a little bit more on this elemental theme you know and so there's smoke methods and geonids if you're uh, aware of elementals and so i almost imagine that some sort of elemental chaos has been erupted within this deep cave you know it's like cracking into the the greater elemental chaos from the inner planes also check our inner plane video <laughs> i don't counterplugging but from that i had like this whole idea of how things could work and all the enemies they could see and all like the little different stories and there's little children trapped down there that you can try and free you know this is like maybe a local cave which things have kind of rye in um and there's items as well i rolled to see there's they have item charts mm. there as well and weapon charts for rewards well, but i mean for right away when you say that this sort of again these are random things you say there's there's winds that kind of blow through here and I'd change it from dusty to smoky and there's mm. like this smoke, this this burnt smell burning on the wind. And then, yeah, I would play up uh, those sort of in-between elementals, smoke elementals as a sort of variant elemental style that you wouldn't normally sort of see. Uh, and yeah, then you, you build a little, some sort of um, sort of background horror story about the great burning of something and, uh, and voila. There's your dungeon. And as they descend deeper and deeper, the smoke gets hotter and thicker and uh, it could become an environmental hazard. And and really dungeons need to be, I mean, there's a, what do you call it? A five room dungeon method. There's a few ways to make, like break it down and make it simple. And I mean, I love what you've got there because essentially you've got events and then you've got sort of non-event rooms. You can interconnect them. You could have them connected by smoky portals of some sort. So they don't even have to have a map that makes sense linearly. They can kind of, you can bamp from one place to another. Uh, who knows? Where uh, you have these sort of windy tunnel things that you get blown through. Uh, it, the thing about D&D is so lovely is as a DM, the more unusual you make the space the players go into, the more exciting it is for everybody to be like, oh, I've never experienced something like this before. And I think the random tables are great for that because they've dreamt up a ton of sort of uh, different sort of ideas and you sort of roll a bunch of them kind of and put them together in a way that your brain might not have naturally gone to because you've not seen that combination of things before. And so it does help you sort of dream up new and novel uh, locations. Uh, but you know, the, the, we do a lot of one shots as well. And often for one shots, it's, you know, I don't start out with a big idea of, oh, well, sometimes I guess we do, but we're like, oh, I want to, I want to see you fight this thing. But a lot of the times you're just like, oh, I have this character I want to play. Mm. And from that, I'm like, oh, well, what would be an interesting adversary for that character? And then, okay, well, what's the environment for that? And the next thing you know, I've got a, you know, a dry erase battle map rolled out on the table and I'm drawing up a what essentially is a battle arena you know because our one shot typically stuff isn't even one shot it's just like one-on-one -on -one fight night 
Mm. Uh, we just roll it out and for a couple of hours duke it out with some baddies. And, uh, you know, that stuff proves how little prep you need. You know, it, 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 they can come together so quickly as a DM, you don't have to, you don't have to think of every detail in advance. You don't have to like overdevelop stuff. You need, all you need is a little bit of a hook. All you need is a little bit of a, a sense of a, what the feeling of the place is going to be. And then from there, just, you know, you really can wing it a lot more than maybe you believe you can, that there's, there's an excitement for both you and the players when, when you don't know how problems are going to be solved at the table. You don't have to have it like all figured out. You're like, okay, here's a problem scenario. And then you just sort of sit back and just watch, especially if you've got a, a, you know, a big party of players, just watch them come up with a solution to it. Watch them work out how to deal with it. And especially if you're playing with mid to higher tier PCs, I mean, they have so many abilities and powers and things that there's very little in the game that can really stop them. It's, I think it's almost begins to be this thing where you'd be like, okay, I'm going to dream up the impossible scenario, total mission impossible. And then you give it to like a bunch of 15th to 20th level PCs and you're like, all right, here you go. You'll never get this done. And a couple hours later, they're like, ta-da! <laughs> mm. And we only had to resurrect somebody once. Yeah. My, they, we didn't even need to resurrect anybody, you know. Well, that's just it. And, I mean, that's, the players at that level often can do, like, like, a revivify quite easily and all sorts oh, of things. We talk about our previous 20th level one-shot. Yeah. You, we didn't have any reviving. Permakilled perma my, my scout. But well, hey. we had, like, longer like hour long resurrections but yeah. no like action bring back to life stuff that's surprisingly yeah and when that's just it uh, you, you can't worry as a dm too much about anything and like trying to figure out everything and anything the players are going to do because you know well that's up to them uh, largely and that's the fun of the game so and the chances are that I know, and I've done this as players to DMs as well. Like players will dream up the wackiest at most crazy ideas that you would never have conceived anyway. So there's little reason to try to prep for every scenario. Worst case scenario, I think for most DMs is the players asked to go all, all agree that they want to go and do something that you don't have really, that you don't have prepped uh, a map for or anything like that. And so the worst case scenario is you can either say to them, okay, well, we all just need to take a 10 minute break while I see if I can scrape a map together. Or you decide, okay, well, we're just going to go do this theater of the mind style then. And away you go. Mm. Uh, I certainly, when I started playing D&D, like back in the 80s, we didn't have maps. We had, we had a pad of graph paper. And that was it. Um, and yeah, we would draw maps. And yeah, I remember time I didn't even have a grid. I just had a whiteboard. Yeah, you started off like the, estimate distances. You just started off the like a small whiteboard that you laid flat on the table, and mm. and that was all improvised. Like I had no plan going into most of that. I'm like, mm, what would be spooky here? Skeletons. It's a big room full of skeletons, and they're all on the ceiling. And they drop from the ceiling and attack the players. Yeah, and that's and that's basically how I started playing D anD D as well. Like, and uh, I think maybe. I think maybe grownups who come to this game later on, who've maybe not experienced the, just the thrill of being a kid who just wings it, you know, all the time. We bring too much of our grown up sort of, oh, I need to be prepared for this meeting sort of vibe to it. No, you'd be okay. Like if you understand who your players are, if you, uh, if you kind of know what their characters want, uh, and, uh, yeah, you should be okay. And worst case, like, again, you just, you need to, you have it something like Table Fables nearby. Have something where you can... Mm. Oh, hey, roll. I mean, we've talked about rolling NPCs on the fly. Let's say something. Hey, I talked to the shopkeeper over there. Oh, oh, give me a quick second. All right, they're, they're, well, they're, it's typical for them to be not so friendly. Let's say they are friendly. They're friendly. They're selling flowers. They're a half-orc, you know, yeah. and they, they have a... a generous disposition yeah. you know 
use use <clears throat> use these sort of tables and things that are out there if on the fly you find you're unsure of your own imagination to come up with something uh, original pick a couple things randomly and then improvise off of that it will be original and it'll stand out in all the players minds they'll love it mm. so can yeah. i talk about transversely as players planning can take ages. I'm sure you've been in a party where it's yeah. like, well, what if we do this or no? Okay, here's this plan. I'll like, I'll, well, is there a second story window? That could impact our plan. DMs often worry in situations like that where players are planning that the game is boring, right? That if they're just, the players are just talking amongst themselves and the DM isn't interjecting with an NPC or some sort of conflict or some sort of thing, that the DM's not doing their job. But that's also for DMs, that's a mistake. Sometimes you just need to shut shut up, sit back, and let all the other people at the mm. table plan what they want to do. There's role play, but then there's planning, and I feel like planning just gets nothing done. It's true. Look, we I had this one table game, and I have uh, a suggestion. I but... had this one table game, uh, which is on hiatus because of you know lockdowns and things. But towards our last sort of big fight in it, which was towards the end of last year. Um, it was such a great fight. It was a sort of epic, super, you know, event. But it took us, It we spent an entire session prior to that, plus part of that one, as players, just planning it. And then when, as we were planning it, like in a very Ocean's Eleven style, we, once in a while we'd be like, okay, well maybe we need to see what magic items are available in this in town. And then we turn to the DM, what magic items can we find? He makes a couple of rolls, tells us what magic items we can find. We go back to, you know, four of us sitting around arguing about how we're going to run this heist. By the way, the key ingredient was an immovable rod. But here, let me suggest... But we spent a whole week. We spent okay. a whole night, like three hours. That sounds boring to me. It wasn't. We had a great time. It was a great well, night. Okay, fine. That's a maybe an edge case. But I know plenty of times where I'm either the DM or a player and we're just sitting, planning, doing nothing when we could have already been finished or through the dungeon or having fun or just going into it rather than just sitting there and talking about what we could be doing. I want to be <laughs> actually be playing the game, well, not right. role playing right. how I'm going to okay. play the game. That's true. And look, there's many, many times that you'll see players there at the inn or wherever and they're like, so what we need to do is go to the mountain where the dragon is and then like sneak in and try to get the treasure. And then everybody sort of like nods and somebody else will kind of echo that. But nobody actually turns the DM and says, okay, so we all get up out of the bar and head to the mountain to find the dragon's cave. Like that's the difference sometimes between players planning and players doing. And that's a bad planning situation because they're basically they're, they just keep echoing what they want to do without actually activating the plan. Well, Where our planning thing, session was different. Our planning session was, okay, we do some recon. We find out some new information. Where's the front door? Where's the back door? Who's around this space? Who's that? And so the DM kept feeding us information and we kept building up more and more of a detailed plan. We're like, okay, let's send our, the familiar in, in gaseous form, invisible. And then we can scout that and get a better map. And we'll get like, count how many baddies there are here. And we were like way overnumbered. We were up against a super assassin squad and we only had a few of us. And we needed to like, really execute on it and we're like you know not to blow our own home but, but a set of pretty good players who were all dms also at the table so ours wasn't a whole lot of like thumb twiddling it was a lot of back and forth like trying to execute a really cool but here's a suggestion uh, instead of having that be an entire three-hour session of just planning which can be a fun thing if you know how to do it right yeah what if we move that into play now this sort of draws from other RPGs as I've done a little bit more research outside of the world of D&D and there's a mechanic called like this idea of a there's, flashback there's a world outside D&D or <laughs> uh, like a flashback idea or like hold up cut back to this and so you're in the middle of the action and for a second you're like, I'm like oh we need a solution to this oh something's happening you know or like here's an example that was I, I was given to me like there's these people seek, doing secret sign language you know and let's say per session every character can have one flashback yeah, we actually, right. I, we play this in our, in my Eberron campaign. And so the idea is you go, okay, flashback to before the, like the action starts, we're all gathered around planning, right? Yeah. Like I'm, 
I, I say to the DM, okay, I, I spent time studying this guy's sign language and so I can communicate with it. Boom. Back into the action. You can now understand the sign language that yeah. they're doing. You know, but that's it. That's your one we do that. flashback for the day. And players can't do the same flashback. So no we, one, it's right. the, t- the entire table can't just go, we oh, actually, we all did that. We, you know? we, do that at, we do that in our Eberron one. And it's actually quite a lot of fun. Um, mm. We had a big train heist uh, right to kick off that campaign. And, uh, and it was definitely one where the complexity of the train heist required that sort of like flashbacky sort of thing in order for us to sort of get it done. Uh, it was a lot of fun, uh, and including how to get our rescue mission, how to get us picked up later on uh, without the flashback to sort of like set that up as well. It was, think, it was really great. I think it it's really almost good. like an easy way to get, like go from that three hours twiddling thumbs, what are we doing, what's our plan, you know, thinking of every possible thing, you know, or should we go here, should we go here, just go there. And if there's like, okay, uh, oh, if only we had this like crowbar that we could have brought with us and it would have allowed us to put leverage. Okay, flashback. I did research onto the, the thing. I knew that there's a second floor window in this place. So I knew to bring the crowbar or whatever, you know, or to you open had, it up. Or you had it stashed there. Or I had it stashed or, ready, you know, or just like somehow. something like that. And so you have it, you know, and that's your flashback for the game, right? Yeah. And nothing Flash, really breaks back the to, reality, but things that could weeks, have happened a week earlier to make it so now that planning in the can happen. Or exactly, exactly. Oh, we need to get into this establishment and assassinate someone. Here, uh, flashback. You're at the front gates, you know, and you have weapons on you. Flashback. I bribed this guard to let us through. And so you then, do through the flashback, do any roll to see how the bribe went, you know, and then you, boom, you're back in the action. Yeah. And depending on how that role went, the guard's like, oh, you're all good to go and let's you in the building, you know? And so you don't need to spend hours planning and talking or doing all those things before the action happens. They can almost happen at the same time. Um, I think it's called a score in this game called Blades of the Dark, which I recommend you check it out or do a little research because it actually looks quite cool. But Yeah, and I th- that's easy to bring to D&D. Uh, mm. And yeah, it, it's great for for players and DMs who are much more into the yes and sort of uh scope of things uh which again is that's i think one of the better parts of the game is when you start to just improvise Mm. uh off of each other so don't be afraid to get off script don't be afraid to depart from what a module says to do and consider bringing this to your game instead and you know try and make a case like you know i i see how much we just spend time talking planning when we could be doing things and how much sessions feel they're so slow sure you know, like we don't feel like we're doing anything well, a lot of things we, we've then been talking about lately this. has been about try to how do we speed up the game right mm-hmm. how do we uh how do we get, How do we get so more that, action in? You know, because yeah, even in combat critical goes role, faster and like I like love that. the role play that they have. You know, yeah, in those it sessions gets in between, sometimes. right? But there's times where they're just planning and planning and planning and planning well, and planning. It's not even so much planning, planning, but they're just sort of trying to they're trying to build consensus. They they're exactly. bouncing ideas so, off. They're trying to take yeah. each other's temperature as to what they want. And yeah, it, and I like it's it's fun to hear them do the role play in those moments and all the jokes they do, but can sometimes feel even a little bit heated you know and they're friends and they but you do you know, but, but you have to recognize though that that's that's also D. that's part of this game it, it does have slow moments where everybody at the table is trying to figure out what they want it where they want to go next but if we don't have to sit in those moments sure. you know and it's well, just because of habit or because to try and we don't have an idea move. of how to how to handle them sure then I mean, to me, I want to start implementing it a little bit more and giving yeah. people and I think that idea of the, the I think as players get more and more experienced with the game, that those moments get shorter. They do. Well, why would why do we have to wait to get more experience with the game? Even new players can I feel can feel discouraged or feel like nothing's happening. Yeah. You know, and they love their characters and they love the action, but, but they just a lot wanna, of it is just eaten people, by planning. A lot of people just don't want to. They don't want to. They don't want to upset the table, right? They don't want to like. They're trying to say, hey, how does everybody feel about this or that? And they're trying to be diplomatic. And that's, that's a little bit slow. And and it's true. We don't we do want to build like cohesion amongst our teams. We do want to get, you know, we want to try and put our ideas out there without feeling like we're getting shot down. And we want to like, you know, try to it, there's a, there's a human nature problem that we're overcoming at the table in those moments. It's not always so obvious or easy to know what everybody else at the table feels like doing. So everybody does once in a while need to stop and sort of find a way to to do that. Um, but I think there is ways in character. I often try to use my, my character to sort of say, 
um, to make a suggestion and, and then ask in character if anybody has any objections to that idea. And, and then listen carefully to those objections and change our, and, but mm-hmm. you know, it okay, does. that's a good tip, but. But it doesn't always work. I mean, and, and to be honest, some people I'll bring somebody else up and then we'll say, oh, does anybody have, see anything wrong with doing something like that? And you sort of feel it out. Everybody get a chance to sort of like say what they want. And then sometimes you can get to a decision a little bit quicker. Um, and look, sometimes we've made choices through processes like that that have been just really terrible as well but um it doesn't matter it's that's part of the game uh exactly you don't that's have to point. you don't have to get to we could be playing the and best. failing and laughing and having fun instead of just sure. sitting or the dice about the dice may carry you through the most mm-hmm. impossible situation it's true. so you gotta the game has got a random element to it anyways so even your bestest plan can still be completely derailed by a long series of crappy dice rolls. Or if you're DM, your plan can be derailed by a long set of really good ones on really the good rolls or weird player actions yep. or whatever. Uh, yeah. So the so point no matter, is to, to know how to balance <laughs> no, no matter how planning. much you prep, there's going to be stuff that because you're willing you dice expect. that you can't you can't control. Um, so don't try to. Don't try to get. Don't stress out over it for sure. Don't don't waste and extra time. And let the players time. try and do things. You know, rather than saying, "Well, hmm, I'm not sure." You know. Well, we're trying because you're afraid you're going to get off of your map. Exactly. If they do that, um, look. If if things get off map, it becomes theater of the mind, and that's just the way it's going to be. And you just work on that, and it's going to be fine. I promise, it's going to be fine. You're going to have a great time with it. Mm. Theater of the mind works wonderfully. Yeah. I think even if you, like, even just spending a little bit of time, like, there's DM's Guide. I can't remember what it's called. That's the book. But there's stuff from Matt Mercer, even, where he talks about how he keeps, you know, just a paper full of different names, you know, for like, okay, NPC yeah. name, boom, just look, cross I, it off the list. I've Here's his that, name. I've got that for my you know, like, Curse of Strahd as well. I've got a whole bunch of like, Barovian names for men and for women, upper class, lower class. I've got Vistani names. Having I've a got, quick name list. If yeah. players just had to talk and, to somebody and I just, or... So I just click on it in my mm. folder and it's like, I need names and I just like, I'll just pick a couple of them from it and away we go. Mm, yeah. Sometimes I get too caught up in names of things or I, I really struggle with trying to like find out who they are on the fly or being a little bit too slow or trying to find like cohesive. I feel like it's, oh, this isn't quite how I want it to oh, be, yeah. you know, I mean, but just I leaning into it. I overprep when I, when I, I take, so I take NPCs that are in the game in Curse of Strahd, like say the, the werewolf den, I gave them all names and I gave them all like bonds and flaws and ideals and i gave them all like a lot you know a bit more like individual characteristics of what they looked like and that's all extra prep work i didn't need to do they could have just been werewolf number one werewolf number two and and so i'm 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 not saying that you know it's bad to do extra prep i think i like doing extra prep i like the the re the realism that comes from putting more prep into uh into your npcs but you don't have to that could have all come on the fly you could have just had a table of ideals a table of bonds that you just looked up online whenever someone talks to them they just roll and see okay this is who this guy is all all but one ended up dead so and actually you know the craziest thing it's the one that has a little bit of foresight the one that's got like one blue eye one green eye and has a little bit of a touch with like being able to sort of like sense ominous things coming she's the one that lived which by like completely randomness managed to get away but also isn't that just like i don't you love moments in D D like that where the, but the, the, the players the know death? that uh no of course not so that's just for you yeah <laughs> i mean that to me <laughs> seems a little cuckoo crazy but come on if you're not if you're if there's not little like easter eggs in there for you as a dm why what what are you doing man well you gotta have some fun I the players like might figure it out later. It the It'll come out. Uh, it's come out right now. If they're listening right now, they're suddenly like, what? Uh, She's got foresight? Hmm. <laughs> well, I suppose my point is that you don't need to do any of this, right? Like, as a player or as a DM introducing house rules to just cut down on all the preparation that takes away from playing, you know, and 
many cases can be super like a, a super useful tool to get the ball rolling, especially with newer players who aren't, or you know, not like aren't very good at voicing their opinions or voicing things to do. I can be a little bit of pressure. Yeah, but learning to like put them in not to the deep end per se but just get the action going so they know how sure. it feels and they're just sitting and that's i mean that's also planning. a role if you've got a table of mixed new players and more experienced players talk to your talk to your more experienced players about um using in you know being in character to encourage being in character to encourage the new players to to make choices and things for the party trying mm-hmm. to defer to them more trying to draw them into the action um, or if you are an experienced player playing with new players, just think about that a little bit. You know. Yeah, do it anyways, whether your DMs ask you to or not. It's it's really um, it's a responsibility. Well, if your DM asks you to stop, then stop. But well, if the DM should ask you to do anything, uh, is to take a bit of a step back as an experienced player, which will mean there will be times that you think, "Oh my God, the action here is like we're really slowing down. I want to speed this up." But you're gonna have to just take a deep breath and just be patient for a few minutes while some of the new players kind of get their heads around a little bit of what's going on and the fact that yeah they they do have to sort of make a like a choice at the table to say i'm going to do something and yeah it's you got to be patient with new players for sure um and lead by example be the change you want to see at the table Mm, yeah 100 percent right yeah. Well, I wonder if we should do some like a rolling thing or if there's any other points you want to make before we wrap up, if we should just random generate something together. All right. Random. We're going to randomly generate a, uh, a, a quick one shot adventure uh, All right, right now to show you how quickly you could prep something. What uh, kind of adventure are you feeling? Like a, I don't a know, dungeon crawl? Uh, make it random. Uh, <laughs> All right. Pick a number between... Oh, wait, I got a dice roller Actually, thing. you know what? I have adventures. All right, let's just do quick adventures. They even have quests for you if you want a quick quest. Let's say we're just... The party's moving along between things, and we just need a like, mid-middle of the session. We need a quest to get... Like, a mini quest to get things rolling, to just get, you know, just an inspiration. Maybe this can spark off something I'm later. I'm going to, on my phone here, bring up my D&D Beyond Player app. We will because, roll on because, page nine of Table the, Fables 2. There's quests at D100. So if if you don't know folks at home, uh, the player app uh, has dice rolling in it now, the D&D Beyond player app on your phone. So would you want me to roll? D100, did you D100, say? D100, please. Boom, boom. Uh, that's a 72. 72. All right, flipping to 72. All right. A large sinkhole opens suddenly in the middle of town, taking one in or two party members down with it. Oh. The characters land r- relatively unscathed in a pile of sand at the bottom. The faint light reveals the ruins of an ancient city half buried in the sand. Oh, they take 1d6 falling damage cavern. for sure. <laughs> half on a deck save. But suddenly there's a, an ancient city uh, half I'm... buried in sand inside the huge cool cavern. All right, there we go. Cool. Boom. Adventure right there. You got your secret city, your intrigue. Reveal some lore about your world right there, baby. Roll again. Uh, what, D100? Three sessions later. D100. Let's go. Okay, I'm going to see if they, you can actually hear my clickety-clack of my thing here this time. Uh, that's a 39. A 39. An entire country has lost the ability to sleep, the party included. The players must find the source of the nightmarish curse and dispel it before they die of exhaustion. That means they have six days. Jeez, that's a pretty harsh one. Well, less really, because at some point there you can stop moving anyways, right? So, Yeah, you've got like a couple days before everyone just dies of exhaustion. Before exhaustion gets really bad, yeah. That's no. that's actually kind of fun though. Again, for for one shot, one shot simply don't don't take many days. Anyways, I mean, even if it's going fairly quick, I mean, there's. Uh, so you can can you take long rest without the sleep? Uh, I guess if you're not sleeping, you're not getting long rest. So mm. yeah, that that one that's a hell hell on your your casters. Except for warlocks, baby. Yeah. Uh, you know, I guess there's still some arcane recovery. Oh, maybe imagine but. you have a. Uh, what's it called? A tome? Like, you know, that aspect of the moon? Tome lock? 
that like that's an invocation which means you don't need to sleep if you just read your little book of shadows they're loving it (laughs) they're like ha ha you all have to sleep (laughs) all right so these were just pre preconceived um you know there's a a table of what a hundred of them yeah a hundred different quick quests if you don't like them roll again yeah let's try another one like try a setting one where like we did the other day where you just uh okay we'll we'll build a city have a quick town right yeah We'll do lots of different rolling. Um, there's some wilderness stuff if you want some road events or encounters along the road, but we don't need that per se right now. Um, they also have different landmarks you could stop by. Forging, what does people find while foraging? There's like ships and ocean travel, NPCs and enemies. I like our enemies vigilant, lots of loot. Uh, and we get to dungeons, all sorts of peculiarities in the dungeons. How is it laid out? What are rooms? What are dungeon events and encounters? Um, and world building part two buildings uh, we don't need building your houses per se town generator let's make a quick town together right. this is what we did last time roll 2d12 for me please 2d12 here we go Ooh, do you want me to add them together no do you know what i rolled what two twelves two twelves i love 12 sided dice and to see two twelves come up like that that's like for you folks out in Radio Land, you just witnessed this very special moment. It's a critical great axe hit right there, something <laughs> like that. Well, it's Oof. called King's Bay, but we've already had a King's thing before, so I think we could call it Oak Bay. The dice said King's Bay. It's going right, to be King's, well, it's King's Bay. Bay. Well, we've had King's Heights before, so I thought maybe we... Yeah, they don't. All right. Okay, whatever. The dice On the rule. road to King's it's Heights King's is King's Bay. Bay. <laughs> All right, roll a D4 for me, please. We're up to the D4s now. Dilly Two. Two. This is a village. Roll a d20 for me. Villages are slightly bigger than hamlets. Ooh, one. So there's only 100 people. That's okay. That's in enough. this village. It's a good size village. It's actually the minimum. I. That's the tiniest size of all the rolls. But What's it's a one? okay. It's great. Funny. One. All right. Quality of life. Roll a d6 for me, please. It's a three. It's decent quality of life. You know, there's not a whole lot of people in, in King's Bay. It's by the ocean, I'd imagine, right? Uh, quite a small little fishing village. Mm. Uh, roll a d6 for me. This is to determine the town's government type. Four. This is a representative government. Uh, the leader is an official appointed to represent the kingdom's ruler. So the king has picked some big fisherman guy, I don't know. Burgomaster. The Burgomaster to look after the docks, you know, and so he's sort of in charge of government matters uh, within the city. But of course there's other people who pitch in, I'm sure, you know, town council meetings, whatever, the right? council of the fishermen. And it's led by the burgomaster, right? Uh, what is their primary sport? I don't think we need a rule for this. I think It'd we know it's probably fish, right? Sure. So, great. We know it's probably fish. We can well, infer that. We don't so need we a rule for that. You've come across a little fishing village or, or, or or they fish up instead of fishing village because fishing village is kind of obvious okay what if it was a pirate village pirate village or what if it was like submerged rice fields you know and their primary exports in danger because it's recently all been submerged or is there like things that grow in water you know some things that kelp farm could be a kelp farm yeah it's not they don't do fish their uh their religion is purely vegetarian right so they only eat kelp and things they grow in the ocean. But shellfish is an exception. They can eat shellfish. Right. Uh, it's uh, one gift from their god. Right. Is that they have the gift of shellfish. Uh, primary architecture. Let's, if there's anything that I really like that stands out to me, I'll just pick it. But otherwise, let's roll. D10 for me, please. Seven. Small rooms that have been carved out of a cliff face. So it's a cliff's face, cliffside Ooh. fishing village. Details include low ceilings and a simple floor plan. So this is all perhaps like maybe even. I, I even still feel like that the houses okay. are built up upon each other. But there's, know? but then there's. I still feel maybe. But if they're in the cliff face like that, which actually is kind of a cool setting, maybe there's like a cave that mm. like the ships can go into, and like the the harbor sort of inside this cliff, and then you fun. have this like some sort of like grand sort of spiraling road or staircase thing that comes up to the surface or something from there. Or maybe there's just cranes that hoist up through a, a, like a large open 
like 20 foot wide sort of chimney space that uh, rises up through the to the top of the cliff sort of face where there's a road or whatever and the cranes Very cool. operate to lift stuff up uh, through there and so ships sail into the cliff face and are protected from storms and stuff inside and then everybody lives inside these sort of cliffs and it is that gives it a more of a piratey vibe already as Very well. Very much so but they don't have to be pirates I feel like no. King's okay. Bay with but, their Urgamaster isn't really well maybe lawless um, but it could be it could be a little bit of a ironic name could be yeah um yeah. Like we've taken King's Bay, you know, now it's ours. Yeah, or the, you know, We're or, the or kings, s- yeah. spin it around, you know, Bay of Kings. Bay of Kings. And it's, it's like everybody who's there is a king. Yeah. Um, Gender neutral term. We, we're reclaiming king. Everyone's a king. It, yeah. I don't know. Um, but anyways, this is the idea behind, you know, very quickly putting something together like this where you're like, okay, now I've got a setting. Um, and, you know, you could, you can try the random, you know, adventure generator and connect them together. And, you know, in, in the time that somebody's going to take to make up a character, you can make up a completely brand new random, uh, adventure for them. Like you don't have to sit and prep for hours and weeks to make something like this no. happen. Something based off something like this, you can very quickly head over to your, uh, you know, D and D Beyond Monsters, look for the right CR ranking, do some quick searches for you know underwater cave, yeah, the right environmenty sort of stuff, yeah, and uh, and yeah, poof, there's your thing. It, it won't take that long to prep. Uh, yeah. Or maybe he, even this, the entire city's been taken over by Sahuagin, you know? Sure. And now they're operating the cranes and whatever. Yeah, yeah and maybe like maybe that. as a one shot, again, all, you've, all you're going to have to do is you have to, you show up, you find that the place is like, first step of the adventure is, oh my gosh, like, you know, why can't we ships get into this place? Well, the Sahuagin are running a blockade. You've got to eat your party in to the cave structure first. And so there's like a Sneak getting, in, getting ashore like that, sort yeah. of uh, problem that they need to figure out. Is it a boat? Are they using water walk? Are they using underwater breathing? I don't know. Let the party figure that out. And then once inside, they have to regain control of the cranes. And so you've got this up and down vertical sort of and problem. Deal with some yeah. But you've also got this up and down vertical problem as well. Well, fly or levitate or spells like that suddenly become quite popular in there. Climbing speeds maybe matter. Feather falls. And Pe- falling is going to be familiar. You could really yeah. fall and die in this. Like it becomes a real issue. And yeah. And then suddenly there you go. There's your, for a one shot, the couple of problems that you kind of need the party to figure out how to solve. And there's a fight obviously to overcome the Sawagans uh, kick him out, put the Burger Master, Harbor Master, maybe it's a better term, the Harbor Master back in charge. Mm. And uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe the Res- restore the Bay Har- of Kings. Harbor Master's been taken hostage, you know, or yeah. whatever. He's been yeah. you know, all tied up with all the skeleton crew running the place, you know, while everyone's celebrating in King's Heights. Yeah. Well, or maybe they're, maybe they're not even celebrating. Maybe everybody's hiding in their houses while the yeah. Sawagan have them under martial law. Exactly. Yeah. Boom. Right there. There's an adventure. A little one shot. Save the city of King. Uh, Bay of Kings. Save the Bay of Save the, save Bay, the of, Bay of Kings. Yeah. You know. And then once you restored it, maybe they give you some little political document. You know, like oh, I'll write it up and sign it from the harbor master, so you can take it to the king yeah. or do whatever. You know, as a, a favor down the line. Or as always, you can now just have free passage through. Yeah. You have, the Bay of Kings. Yeah, Bay of Kings is now a safe harbor for for you and your mm, your party. And they provide free lodging and all these things for saving them. And yeah, and so suddenly your one shot becomes the jumping off point now for a like a coastal adventure series. Or yeah, pirate adventure, all these different yeah. things. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Boom, just like that. Yeah, Steal when, as much as that as you want. Well, and exactly. And then once you have that sort of idea, then you just basically tell the characters as they're building it up that yeah, they're going to be a coastal adventure. So that might affect the type of character they want to build. And then you all have to have as a bond, you would basically say, okay, yeah, you guys all have to explain why you share a common loyalty to say a a captain of a ship or something. Mm. And then that captain of that ship is the one who's brought you to, uh, 
the Bay of Kings, and mm. that's where the Swagan attack takes place. And yeah, and suddenly, instead of spending hours planning on how you're going to get in, and blah, 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 you get there, flashback. All right, I know. Like uh, uh, ahead of time, I prepared uh, like so and so so that I could do this. You know, and you get back into the moment, and you've got say like a net or whatever to, or like a little hand or contractable thing to a grappling hook to get you know under the thing or open a device or whatever yeah. right that you've got a plan you know on the sure. fly and you can and think maybe, of the solution and yeah. maybe as battle maps go like a three-dimensional cylinder going up that you've got to fight oh in is going to be God. really impossible so you theater of the mind. so you just go okay that one's gonna be theater of the mind for sure Boom. but perhaps the uh perhaps the fight into the cave though going through a tunnel space that you know by water and securing that space of that seems like a map that I could, I could draw, mm. right. That's something that could, I could put together on a, on a, a dry erase map pretty easily. Or if you want um, a quick three room dungeon, go to the dungeon generator, you know, sure. roll to see well, how big they are. You can find very quickly if you wanted, if you like wanted that, a little house in the side of the hill, the Harbor Masters mm. manor or something that people fight, fight in, you could probably Google and find yourself. A quick, a quick pattern. map like that yeah. for a virtual tabletop. Um, virtual tabletop does pose a bigger problem because you can't just quickly draw something. Mm -hmm. It does sort of require a little advanced planning for drawing of things, which uh, is okay as well. I mean, you can do that. It's huh. You can also always just uh, draw a map uh, on a piece of paper or on a thing like that, take a picture of it and post it in your Discord so everybody can sort of see... Mm -hmm the area what it is and then they can sort of say oh well i want to go if you over have this discord way you can quickly screen share yep the a png of that i do you know? i use photoshop sometimes that way i just pull up in photoshop and everybody and i add a layer for everybody's character and they tell me where they go and i just move them around on the map easy boom i mean that's a little you have to have a little bit of experience understanding layers and how to sure. move things and, and and players like moving their stuff better which is why we've started using uh, a very simple virtual tabletop called tarask um, Although you do have to pay to be a part of that, right? On the Patreon, right now, yeah, there's DM, a Patreon but... thing to DM on it, um, but nobody else has to pay. We also can use it for free, which is great. Interesting. And it's not it's not super fancy, but that's actually what I love about it. Um, it's just keeping things simple so people can just move a token around on a map and uh, know where they are in the action. Well, perfect. I think that's a great place. We've not only have we come up with an entire one shot for you and your party to take back the Bay of Kings. We've talked about how to cut down on planning, potential flashback ideas to introduce into your game, to talk a little bit about, as a DM, how much planning do you really, really need? Yeah, yeah. you'd be surprised how quickly you could, you could have a game up and running from scratch. Uh, don't don't over-worry about planning. Perfect. And well, when, you're, when you're world building, don't build, don't build more than the picture frame that the players are going to be in. That's really the important yeah, thing. Yeah, it's true. Start small. You know, your world doesn't have to start with the cosmos. No. It can start with the Bay of Kings. Yeah. And then from there, you build out as you need to. Exactly. Well, thank you for joining us, everybody. I have been Jack Outway. And I'm Jay Outway. And we will see you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.